Welcome to Public Occurrences, Both Foreign and Domestic. I'm your daily guide for understanding today's headlines, Michael O'Fallon. We've seen all the video pouring in from Afghanistan. You've seen men and women risk their lives to leave the totalitarian barbarism that will be coming from the Taliban regime. Perhaps you saw the most revealing picture of all. I put it up in my Twitter feed. Where armed members of the Taliban had a large group of women and children herded at gunpoint against a wall right underneath the United Nations 2030 Sustainable Goals sign. It was an ironic moment that was stunning. It was also horrible. The giant social experiment of Afghanistan is a complete failure. The soft and unsure population that was indoctrinated over the past 15 years is no match for the male testosterone-driven religious zealots of the Taliban. The Taliban, who did not bother to announce their personal pronouns before invading Kabul. And it was the U.S. State Department, even during the Trump administration, by the way, that allowed NGOs and other organizations hell-bent on dismantling and disrupting the culture of Afghanistan that was introducing an unreal subjective alternative to a medieval death cult. But you have seen the United States military now begin significant airlift operations for the people of Afghanistan, with no favoritism for the citizens of the United States, by the way. Now, just yesterday afternoon, after a major backlash from families of Americans here in the United States, the Biden administration did clarify that statement to say that they would be prioritizing U.S. personnel. But the reason for the previous statement is that the thinking in Washington, D.C., and maybe you've noticed this over the past six or seven months, is that American citizens should not be privileged over Afghanis who will make excellent citizens of the United States. And you might be scratching your head and wondering, what just happened over the past several months leading up to this sloppy and tragic withdrawal? Well, the U.S. is about to do what it has done consistently over the past 40 or 50 years or so. It is an unspoken policy. But it is a very consistent policy. It basically goes like this. Invade and then invite. Invade a country or a region militarily or by providing tremendous military assistance or boots-on-ground assistance and then invite that country to our country. Invade a country or region by waging war, creating absolute chaos and mayhem, breaking things, deposing dictators, tearing down the nation's previous culture, bringing in, then, progressive ideology, eliminating theocracies, risking the lives of our own men and women, leaving the nation in shambles, but trying to transform it into an open society, seeing that that doesn't work, and then inviting anyone from that nation that can fit onto our planes or boats, 
and then we will ship them into the United States in strategic areas where the State Department and DHS would like to influence the election or create societal intersectionality. And it isn't that I don't care about the people escaping danger and providing safe harbor. That is a good thing. But this is what the U.S. government has been doing for decades. For instance, the U.S. entered Iraq in 1991, and this combined with the prolonged invasion and occupation of Iraq that began in 2003 resulted in nearly 800,000 Iraqi refugees being settled in the United States. 800,000, most notably in Michigan and in the city of Chicago. Their presence has changed the demographics of those areas. It's also changed the way that people vote. Now, many are hardworking and good people. Many have also been sucked into the American CRT-based education system, into radical feminism, into tearing down the patriarchy. And those refugees are able to employ chain migration, bringing in moms, dads, sisters, uncles, aunts, and cousins. Thousands upon thousands that can be exponentially added as citizens eventually to our nation. You see, because the policy of the United States has been that we invade a nation and then we invite the people of that nation to be incorporated into our borders without any time for silly stuff like assimilation. Because there is a crisis and we must act now. No time to wait. In 1993, the United States became involved in the war in Somalia. And after many mishaps, you might remember Black Hawk Down, and the United Nations getting involved, things were a complete mess. So the result in the policy from the United States was to give nearly 240,000 refugees the opportunity to come to the United States without any kind of serious vetting, along with all the subsequent chain migration being poured into Washington, D.C., New York City, and in particular, Minnesota. Elon Omar, the Justice Democrat and squad member's family, received asylum from Somalia, first to Kenya, and then to the United States in 1995, and eventually ended up in the burgeoning Somalian community in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the result was now what we are living with. Congresswoman and ultra-progressive, America-hating, Ilan Omar. Because when America invades a nation, we now invite that nation to our shores. No serious vetting necessary. And in several Central American Triangle countries, when natural disasters occur, and American forces are sent in for assistance, those that seek refuge may come to the United States, and then they always stay, and stay indefinitely. They're never sent back. Now, I say this from the perspective of someone whose abuela and abuelo came from Cuba. Now, think about this for just a moment when you're thinking about all these things. 
as soon as the revolt just a month ago against the Marxist-Communist dictatorship in Cuba went bad. The Biden administration and the U.S. government was very, very clear. They were very clear that Cubans, those tired and poor yearning to be free, those Cubans were not welcome in the United States of America. If you're coming over in a boat, coming across the Gulf Straits, coming up into Miami, you'll be immediately turned back around and sent back to Cuba. Even though you're escaping persecution. You see, for the Biden administration, my Cuban brothers and sisters are not welcome in the United States as long as they're in charge. Why? Because the Cubans, they want liberty. They want freedom. They want opportunity. They believe in the American dream. They believe in the promise of America and the fact that the Constitution provides them with civil rights things that they would never have in Cuba, and with liberty. But many, through no fault of their own, many that have come, who have been a part of the United States, invade and then invite scheme, through no fault of their own, they are in America for Safety. And now America has transitioned from the land of the free and the home of the brave to the land of the safe. And the land will protect you. And that nation will feed you. I also say these things from the perspective of being married to a wonderful woman who was born in China and made it here with her family many, many years ago. And that entire family worked long and hard, and my wife did with her brother-in-law, Harry Zato, to build up businesses, open more restaurants, and go on to live lives as entrepreneurs and landowners. They believed in the promise of America. They loved the liberties afforded to them in America that they did not have in China. And now, they hate what is happening in America. You see, they know what the Communist Chinese Party is. They know what it does. They know the darkness and tyranny of Maoism. And now, they see that same Chinese system coming here. And in the end, where else are they going to go? Well... There's nowhere to go. Are they going to go to Australia? Are they going to go to New Zealand? Those have become prison colonies. So now my Cuban family and Chinese family are becoming very unified. Because both 
my Cuban side and then my wife's Chinese side. They both value family and freedom. And they know what happens to a people who gives up against tyranny. Because it isn't enough to just want to be left alone anymore. And because the nation is being transformed ideologically, just like the United States and the United Nations have been doing in Afghanistan for over 15 years. They have been building ideologically progressive citizens. And the Democratic Party wants those people. They want that ideology to be represented. They value their new voting bloc. They love those that will be putty in their hands. Those that are coming to America for safety. And as for you, American patriot of any ethnicity, you are now the enemy. You are the traitor against the order of the new world, the supranational state. But we must not give up. We must not give in. We must not only fight for America, but we must convince and persuade those that oppose us to understand the value and the promise of America. We must go to those that are being brought to America and bring them liberty and bring them the promise of freedom of America. We can't just turn our back on them. They're going to be coming. Yes, we need to bring them the United States of America and not the oppression and the guilt and the vengeance that the Democrats would bring them. And those of us that are Christian, we need to be bold. You see, we don't have to necessarily go out to the rest of the world. The rest of the world is being brought to us. It's time, folks. It's time to get your evangel ready. I'm Michael O'Fallon, and I will see you tomorrow on Public Occurrences, Both Foreign and Domestic.
Thank you.